0: We'll <laughs> be The sun's out tonight today. Did you notice? You mean the S U N? The S U N is shining brightly.
1: I, I had the wrong uh, acronym last time. I said it was the unthought of nuca fire. unacknowledged. That's probably more appropriate. The supermassive unacknowledged nuca fire. <laughs> that's what it stands for. Etymologically, that's where R- the word right. comes from. Right. Just I FYI. You, yeah. It's a beautiful day.
0: Yeah, it seems like maybe we've uh, turned the corner, I hope, from this endless, depth, depthless winter, this incredible winter we've had here.
1: <laughs> it's the first, we're a third of the way through April here, and uh, we just barely got uh, some snow melt, right? So we can see the grass. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Are we going to have
0: like massive floods or what?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's think uh, that's in the baked into the cake, so to speak.
0: Uh, yeah, I get, I think the only question is um, how well they will be managed or mitigated.
1: Like it got, it actually got pretty hot. It was like what forty degrees. Now it's seventy degrees today, seventy-seven tomorrow, seventy. It looks like we got a cold snap coming Thursday and Friday. Just doing the weather for the. My virus right. Here. If
0: you're gonna do the weather, you gotta
1: do the green screen thing. Like, yeah, and you've got to have your weatherman. Cold front moving in. we got a cold front. Weatherman.
0: we've got a cold front moving in later in the week, so make sure to pack your scarves and your parkas. But for today, you'll be fine with a light t-shirt and uh, maybe even some sunscreen. Back to you, Rod, for sports. <laughs>
1: Well, the Jazz on Wednesday night decided to wokeify the stadium and uh, lost half of the audience. Actually, that's not what happened. Only uh, one of my relatives walked out <laughs> 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 on uh, Pride Night.
0: Yeah. had a, yeah.
1: a relative that was pretty upset about the, the endless propaganda on Pride Night, so they left. There were a couple, of, actually a couple of relatives. Yeah. I, Does that make the, the Bruno family bigots? That they yeah, don't want to sit there and be preached to at the jazz game.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? What uh, I've won't, I've not walked out of a sports game, but I felt like it when they do the really over the top military propaganda too. When they bring the guy out who you know the old World War Two vet, and I have nothing against that guy, but they really and the teams uh, you know teams will wear camouflage uniforms and stuff. I've I, seen that the fo- football does it a lot.
1: They'll do like a 9-11 show sometimes, which right. is a little tired now because there's been so much, you know.
0: Well, and it was a long time ago, but there's also been a lot of awakening and eye-opening. That's what I'm
1: saying is it's, this is this is different than, say, the 60s after World War II, right? This right. is like, hey, you know, we're not so sure about the morality of everything that happened there or whether any nation really attacked us or whether we should be destroying countries in the Middle East. Right, right. It was a di- it's a different thing. I mean, whether you agree that um, we should have been at war with Japan, they did attack Pearl Harbor. That's pretty well documented. Right. Whether you whether you believe FDR fomented that attack by cutting off trade routes and and oil supplies in East Asia, whether. But do you believe that they had foreknowledge, which right. it seems to be a pretty well-documented fact that the White House had foreknowledge and allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, a whole nother episode, right? Right. To go through all that, those details.
0: Yeah, so I, I pro, propaganda at sporting events is a, a turnoff for sure, whether it's pride or, or military because sports are supposed to be one of those things that brings a lot of different people together and unifies them behind a single cause for at least a couple of hours.
1: Well, they they generally do a fairly patriotic opening at these sporting events, anyways, right? They will have yeah someone sing <clears throat> the national anthem, right? Fire off the cannons, whatever fireworks, right? It's all part which of is the pretty pretty the, big. I mean, if you're the pageantry
0: and the, the, the,
1: so you're okay with that. You just well, don't want them going. The, like the flyovers it, when they have the jets fly over, that's kind of fun.
0: It depends. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, like patriotism, a lot, a lot, in a lot of ways, patriotism, especially in the United States, maybe elsewhere, our international listeners will have to uh, chime in. Patriotism has become equivalent with military might. And so it's like, I'm a patriot. I support our troops and all of the things that they're told to do. And then you had the whole, uh, you know, kneeling during the National Anthem episode, which further politicized the National Anthem being played. I don't really have a problem with the National Anthem being played. I don't really know where that originated. We should probably look that up. I, I suppose suspect it's an old baseball thing since baseball predates all these other sports.
1: Well, I've mentioned before in on the program that the Pledge of Allegiance was written by socialists, right? The Bellamy's, I believe. There's there's good material uh, documenting that. That was a post-Civil War attempt right to try to bring about sort of fascist nationalism. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the original pledge did not have the one nation under god indivisible right it, it, that was added to bolster support in the uh for this one nation in the south but it it was like late 1800s i'll i'll have to find the link to the uh story documenting the history of the Pledge of Allegiance. When I when I read about that, I stopped because
0: you know, they would do the pledge at all the scouting events and every day in school when all we were time, kids. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case. I think maybe it's once a week or something at school nowadays. But uh, by the way, today's Monday, April 10th, 2023. My name's Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. We're the Mind Virus podcast. Find us at mindvirus.show and also all of your favorite fascist uh fascist podcast aggregators like Google, Spotify, Apple, fascist, yeah, I think maybe that is fair with the, the, the unholy alliances we've been learning about in the Twitter files, which by the yeah. way, David Frum, famous war cheerleader David Frum, has recently said that Trump-Russia was real, the Twitter files are fake. <laughs> really? <laughs> The Twitter files are fake. (laughs) I love how stupid this era is. We live, we're living through an age of unbridled stupidity, and it's kind of entertaining and fun, except that it's also terrifying, (laughs) because so many of these people have uh, real influence and power, and uh, I guess we'll just laugh our way all the way to the gulags. (laughs) Well, you can say the pledge all the way there.
1: Uh 1892 is when the pledge was written by a guy named um Francis Bellamy, a Christian socialist. Called Jesus a socialist. He wrote the pledge, time to introduce to be introduced in patriotic celebrations accompanying the 400th anniversary of Columbus's arrival. According to a summary of his account of his writing of the pledge, he aimed for brevity as well as, quote, a rhythmic roll of sound so that they would impress the children and have lasting meaning when they became grown-up citizens. Bellamy wished for state sovereignty and individual liberties to yield to a centralized national government. Well, there you have it. I've got a Link to a Lou Rockwell article here where you can uh, read all about the origins of the Pledge of Allegiance. The idea about patriotism, I think, is really important. Mark Twain is reported to have said that in the beginning of a change, the patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned when his cause succeeds the timid join him for then it costs nothing to be a patriot and i think that's what you're getting at is that right now patriotism is equated with just supporting the military right yeah that's, kind kind of in in a lot of ways right that's there's nothing brave or noble about supporting the military yeah both it, in fact during the during the whole war on terror from 2001 the end of 2001 through the middle 2015's ish, you know, it was considered to be like, if you didn't support the military, you were considered a, an aberration and a detractor
0: an outsider. And both, usually both sides of the political divide support war. Uh, Oftentimes you'll have, uh, you'll have outliers, people like Ron Paul who condemn the war on the right, and then you'll have people like maybe Bernie Sanders who condemn it on the left. I mean, Barack Obama kind of made his—he his, uh, splashed onto the political scene in 2004 at the Democrat National Convention and gave a scathing anti-war speech—
1: and then proceeded to bomb her And then pre- son.
0: proceeded to become the most prolific bomber to ever live. Like he, 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 he fired off more drone missiles and probably killed more people than Bush. any other president. Uh, definitely more than Bush. Um, but but that's kind of the idea is that it, uh, everything is just currency for the political uh, rabble-rousers, the political ladder-climbers like Obama. He knew at the time it was very uh, popular to oppose the wars. This was 2004, 2005. It was very popular to oppose those wars on terror because it was George Bush and they were running against him.
1: Especially with the Democrat.
0: Right, right. You know, Barack Obama also said marriage is between a man and a woman when he was running on for election. I mean, these guys will say anything. Yeah, words in the in the words of George R. R. Martin: words are wind, and it's their actions and and their policies that we need to take a closer look at. Martin is the author of the Ice and Fire series, better known as. Game of Thrones. Hmm. Game of Thrones is actually the name of the first book. But HBO adapted the books to a television series, which they just called Game of Thrones, because I guess that's an easier, more memorable title. Uh, In case anybody's wondering, the book series is yet unfinished and will never be finished. He said he wasn't going to finish it? No, he just isn't finishing it. It's been... Well, it's, how can you say never then? Because he's aging and he's got two more books to write and the it's been uh 15ish years since the last book was published. So you're
1: you're making a prediction that's pretty <clears throat> sure. Didn't the Wheel of Time series get finished by somebody else? Yes, but that's because the author died. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, that it got finished even though maybe some people thought it would never
0: be finished. Like, well, Maybe, but that author also cranked out like 16 or 17 books in the I thought the it was series. like 50 or 60 in that series. I don't series. know. There's like a lot. The Wheel of
1: Time series was just like, it kept going and going. It was like the Energizer Bunny.
0: Brandon Sanderson uh, wrote that. Um, uh, I thought it was finished. Robert Jordan. Robert Brandon Sanderson finished it. He was the author that finished it. And he's gone on, of course, to have a great career on his own rights is when well, my correct was it robert jordan wheel of time yes yes you're correct but but george martin uh it's become a, a joke a meme
1: about it getting finished
0: yeah um which is is too bad because he's sort of just i think i think the series just got away from him got too big too convoluted storylines all tangled up and hundreds of characters and he made lo- locations money. it was like i'm uh,
1: i'm out of here
0: it's too bad because uh it, it it was it gets off to a great start and the, you kind of see that with the tv series which had source material for a while and then once they eclipsed the book content had to make up the story and apparently he was involved martin was involved but the, the i haven't the, seen it was the it final it? couple seasons petered out and we're oh,
1: it wasn't any good huh the way it ended. pretty
0: pretty bad honestly but hmm. but anyway hmm. uh,
1: so uh <clears throat> what's on your mind today
0: well i'm just enjoying the uh end of the world as we know it <laughs> the ongoing apocalypse right um yeah yeah um That's pretty much
1: what is is there to talk about? I think we might have talked about everything that there is to talk about on the podcast here. Have we ever talked about COVID? We could just, um, we've done enough with COVID (laughs) to satisfy, (laughs) um, our responsibility there for now. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking, you know, in the, in the, um, style of, uh, Martin, we could just pack it in. This could be the last episode.
0: Well, the difference, though, would be we would say this is the last episode. We wouldn't just disappear, leave the audience wondering. Well, that's because we are like more responsible <clears throat> as what far could as do, what we do. What we could do is release little statements about every two years and say, we're working on that next episode. Is that what he did? Keep buying my other stuff. It'll come out soon. I'll finish the story. Yeah, he's been saying that for
1: 15 years. Is there a is there like a uh, an actual conclusion that needs to
0: yeah he, come to fruition? A, I mean, a, is he left un? Oh, of course. In the world of the books, there's lots of unresolved issues. Unres- unresolved. No storyline has really been wrapped up. So it's a problem because. Yeah, everybody because, wants
1: to know how it ends.
0: Yeah, but then the TV show went ahead and told us all how it ended, and what we don't know is if that was the way Martin intended to have certain character stories end, and the big, you know, the the big story end. I don't know, but I suspect that if, on the off chance that if the books get done, a lot of people will just ignore it, um, because they saw the TV show and it didn't like it, and just moved on. I mean, even the TV show, uh, since the last book was released, you've had an entire eight-season television show be concepted, funded, developed, written, shot, released, and even that was several years ago. I mean, people have moved on from this. The, The ideal time for him to crank out those books would have been during the buzz of the television show, which really enlarged the audience for his work, for his books, but there were no books. What was that show where
1: it kept going back and forth between the writer and the um, the guy in the story? Was this Stranger Than Fiction where she hadn't finished the end of it? Yeah, she was going to kill
0: him. We did a we did a whole episode on that. That
1: was stranger than fiction because that's what I'm trying to with Will Farrell trying to rem- remember because the end hadn't been written and the and this part of the story was the struggle the author was going through trying to figure out how to end the story and she wanted to kill him off. Yeah. So she sh- she kept trying to imagine what it would be like to fall from a bridge or jump off of a building.
0: Yeah, she's it's played by uh Emma Thompson I want to say and she's this kind of neurotic uh, Emma Thompson is that the isn't it Yes it is her she's the one she yeah she's kind of this eccentric neurotic author that struggles to really struggling to get this book done and she's doing all this research where they they find her standing on this edge of a building and the bridge and <laughs> trying to, to get that POV of what that would be like. It's a great movie. I really, I really like that. Oh yeah. Movie. yeah. We did a we did a whole episode on that. I don't know which number it was. By the you way, can, t- you can search on our website. There's a search. Yeah, there is.
1: You can actually search.
0: Today is what? Episode one. This is episode one twenty two. One twenty two. One twenty two.
1: One-twenty-two. When we get to episode one, what are we going to do for episode one, two, three? I don't know. That's next week. So we have a whole week to plan. We'll probably procrastinate
0: that right up until Monday morning. hmm Probably. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Easter so Monday, by the way, which is not a holiday in the United States. No, it's not. I, I, I kind of think that's interesting. We put a lot of stock into celebrating Christmas. Uh, usually businesses shut down for at least a couple of days, schools out for a couple weeks. We don't do anything for Easter. Easter gets kind of glossed over. And arguably Easter is the bigger holiday in, in or it com- it commemorates the b- bigger event. Right. We hide eggs, which Jim Gaffigan has famously pointed out as Odd. Hide eggs at a giant bunny, fills with candy and hides around the house or the yard. I'm sure there's some some origins to all of that. That's
1: become the tradition, yeah.
0: And there are, pa-
1: there are definitely pagan or- origins related to the divine feminine on that one.
0: But uh, we're Easter obviously co- commemorates the resurrection of Jesus, which is the greatest event in human history, especially if you're a Christian, which is the world's largest religion, numbers wise. And so, yeah. yeah we, but how many, how many of those people are actually active? Well, who knows, how right? How many are paying
1: their tithing? I mean, <laughs> sorry. What are the metrics we really care about?
0: Right. Well, there's about, what, 3 billion Christians in the world? I don't know. Almost, I'll ask um, Google. Almost half the world's population or, or 45% or something. 2.2 billion. Okay. 2.2 billion, which is a third of the, a little less than a third of the, to the, of the world's population. That's a lot of people. Um, I don't know. It's kind of an, an interesting thing. 30, I, yeah.
1: 31.2% according to uh, Google as of 2015, quoting the Pew Research Center. See, this is what an AI doesn't do for you. Doesn't give you the sources to let you know that I'm quoting Google, quoting the Pew Research Center.
0: What you don't know is that the Pew Research Center is quoting AI. It could be
1: that they're quoting AI. You know, you're talking about um, <clears throat> Easter, and we should keep talking about Easter and Christianity, but <laughs> if, we, if we ever get around to it, there's an article here by Jonathan Turley, the conservative, well, <laughs> now seemingly conservative constitutional scholar, about how he was defamed by Chat GPT. Somebody asked uh for uh some information on attorneys and the and the AI just made up some information about uh Turley having been accused of sexual harassment <laughs> on a trip to Alaska with students. He's never taken a trip to Alaska, never been accused of sexual harassment And the somebody you know That's interesting. Just made it up about him and like four other professors. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a problem.
1: That's, that's exactly what I'm what I'm trying to point out. Anyway, let's talk. You want to talk about that or Easter? Cause, or something else?
0: Well, AI is taking over
1: the world. Uh, is it or has it already, and we just don't know it? Because, like, okay, so uh, TBM was texting me and sent me some stuff on AI over the week uh, that I just c- completely disregarded. No, we had, <laughs> we had a short conversation, but one thing i didn't fire back at him because he wanted me to look at some stuff and was wondering if um governments were going to get control of ai before the public sector and w- he was basically quoting some people you know he said you should look you should look into this i'm not saying this was his opinion But the idea was that the government needs to pass laws putting a moratorium on AI and then threatening to bomb any other governments that develop it, you know, these big clusters of uh, computing power or whatever, say like the Bluffdale Center, Bluffdale Data Center. Never heard of it. To stop people from getting uh, the computing power necessary to put these AIs together. And one thing I wanted to point out, TBM, is that If, if it's on the public's mind, the government has probably, or government or secret combination or the oligarchy has probably already had it for 20 years. Like, Google will give you a free phone number via Google Voice, and it will transcribe your texts, sorry, your, your voicemail. It'll transcribe your voicemail to text for free. they will do this for free. Free phone number, free text transcription. And they were doing this like six or seven, eight years ago for free. Mm -hmm. So what I want to say is that technology existed probably from the late 80s. And so I don't think that the AI issue in the public is a big deal. The question is how much of our world is actually managed by AI right now, and we don't even know
0: it. A lot of it probably is, especially when it comes to like, automation you know data automation you know mapping software logistic stuff like amazon type warehouses stuff like yeah. that what worries me is the 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 capability of ai to imitate real life to imitate real people we've joked about these uh, but, you know, these presidential Dungeons and Dragons campaigns because um, they're funny and they're entertaining. But imagine now you have some audio, some leaked audio <clears throat> of the President of the United States or Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Vladimir Putin or somebody else or whoever leaked audio of them saying something extremely inflammatory that might trigger a nuclear holocaust. Like th- we're right on the verge of that. I mean, we've talked about the the AI videos of the queen, we've talked about the way that the movie technology works where you see like dead Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Yeah. Even on there's there's you know on Instagram and YouTube there's these deep fakes where they'll put somebody's there's a real popular trend with Putting Arnold Schwarzenegger into movie scenes, and it's really, really real-looking. You know, put him into movie scenes that he wasn't in. Yeah, like The Sound of Music, right? So you have Arnold Schwarzenegger's face morphed onto Julie Andrews' body, really, or uh, Happy Gilmore, or uh, Waterboy. You know, there's these. I saw one Didn't where he's, his voice? he's Bob Ross. And then someone's doing a... Happy little accident. Yeah, exactly. And someone's doing... Get your fan brush. Someone's doing a bad impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's like... The hills are alive with the sound of music.
1: I've been watching a lot of Bob Ross lately.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a... To clean this brush. We need to beat the devil out of it. Yep. Bob Ross was a national treasure.
1: <laughs> yeah. For sure, but it's so hypnotic, so like so peaceful, just to watch those <laughs> mountains emerge, and then the trees just appear, and then oh, uh, there's a happy little stream right here, right? And a few rocks,
0: and then there's a big tree that lives right here. It lives right here. But if you th- and consider squirrels back there, if you consider what people are doing on their phones and their personal computers, now imagine what the the military industrial complex is capable of. It's a wonder. You have to wonder if some of these world leaders and, and these videos and things are aren't completely fabricated. Is is Zelensky yeah. even a real person? Is he just a does AI? The, does the Eastern
1: Hemisphere really exist? <laughs> um, yeah, I I agree that that's that's one of the things. But it's like, you know, if they everybody's going to make the argument, uh, who is it? The uh, UNESCO is going to make the argument. That's just a conspiracy theory. Um. Was that who sent that link that you were? UNESCO? Yeah.
0: What's UNESCO anyway? They're a division of the UN, and they've got a whole uh, a whole document. United Nations Educational,
1: Scientific, and Cultural Organization. So this is a non governmental organization
0: that's part of the government that wants to govern the world. And they've got they've released a, an entire document, you know, dozens of pages, if not if not hundreds. <laughs> on how to combat and recognize conspiracy theories. They've even got a, a whole guideline of how to talk to conspiracy theorists, which is awesome. <laughs> I went through and looked at it. Yeah, I-, I know. If you look
1: at that, like you're going to get shut down by the conspiracy theorists because they're going to know so much more. At the end of this, their, their, best, their best weapon against conspiracy theory is to just ostracize people and not talk about it because once you start talking about it, it's like, oh, really? oh, you're right.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a great document, but it's also terrifying because the, the, the answer is always censorship. It's always censorship and, and the stealing away of, of liberty, right? That's always at the bottom line, is to enslave us and kill us all. I mean, let's, get, <laughs> let's cut right through all of the red tape. The bottom line is they want to enslave and or kill us all. Well, I think they just want to enslave the mind. I
1: you know, I mean I'm sure they're happy with a lot of deaths, but the human resource as I've pointed out before, humanity is the greatest resource on the planet. So they want to harness that. Right. And they want to control that. I wonder how much because AI is becoming visible, right? It's it's becoming a thing that people are Aware of and tools have been put out that the public is taking advantage of, which, again, I would argue that that means those tools have been in existence for a long time. So one of my questions is coupled with the governmental side of the AI, and the, and and I was going down the road to say one of the one of the um, arguments that detractors are going to make is if the government has this much power or secretive groups in the government, then why does why is Uh, the process over at the DMV so clunky, you know, (laughs) how come, how come those bureaucracies uh, aren't super streamlined and, and working efficiently? And I would argue that that, that just shows that there is uh, a compartmentalized disjointed governmental structure where the focus is on surveillance and security and mind control rather than how your taxes are processed. Right, you know, but uh, getting back to the use of this thing, if it's been used the last twenty years, I want to know how the entrainment technologies that Catherine Austin Fitz has shed some light on fit into this. Remember, we've talked about entrainment a little bit—the idea that they use uh, rhythmic, uh, not not just audible uh, sound and. Um, rhythms and light and stuff like that to influence people's minds and their feelings, but also like alpha waves, etc. You're smiling over there. What did you find that was so funny?
0: <laughs> well, I went to chat GPT. GPT and I wrote, write a monologue in the style of the mind virus podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's still going by the way. It's got that part nailed. Is it a- doing a Jordan
1: impersonation or a <clears throat> Bobby impersonation? Is it doing Bobby doing the voice?
0: The voices? <clears throat> Welcome to the Mind Virus Podcast, where we explore the inner workings of the human mind and how our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors are influenced by the world around us. Is it possible this is because there's another Mind Virus podcast out there? Right, let's read on and find out. Okay. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is particularly relevant in our modern society the power of social media. Think about it. How many times a day do you check your phone? How often do you find yourself scrolling through your social media feeds, liking, commenting, and sharing posts? How much time do you spend consuming content that has been curated specifically for you based on your likes, dislikes, and search history? The truth is, the s- social media has become a ubiquitous, ubiquitous part of our lives, and it's not just a harmless pastime. In fact, social media has the power to shape our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors in ways that we may not even be aware of. It's like a mind virus that infects us with ideas and attitudes that we may not have otherwise been exposed to.
1: Does that might be the other guy.
0: I don't think that other guy is active.
1: I know, but that might be like It just it doesn't sound like us. We would be like less polished or something.
0: It may maybe maybe let me get let me get a little more specific here
1: cuz this this other mind virus podcast was written is done by a guy who's like a psychologist i think it doesn't look like he's got a lot on uh...
0: okay yeah he's got some on social media but has he has he produced any content in the last little while. See, I asked it to do a monologue in the style of Jordan Bruno, and it says, hey there, guys, it's Jordan Bruno here. And today I want to talk about something that's been on my mind for a while now. It's all about self-love and why it's so important. And it goes on, and it's definitely not Jordan, not Jordan Bruno. Bruno. It's like a fake Jordan Bruno. So may- maybe we're not... I'm over on this other guy's website. I'm not seeing any dates. Maybe we're not... Um, ubiquitous enough for chat GPT to uh, to co- uh, curate content from our content. This
1: other guy, we'll give him a shout out. Dr. Mark Swerdlick is a relentless tactical strateg- strategist, a well-known sought-after professional motivational speaker, a real-world no-holds-barred Personal improvement expert and the founder and chief mind officer of Mind Virus Inc., located in Chicago, Illinois. That guy is at mindvirus.com if you want to check him out. But I don't think he's put anything out in a
0: while. Let's see the blog. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe
1: 2020, but just to differentiate here, we are the Mind Virus Show. Right. Mind Virus podcast. We have put out 121 episodes. Each painstakingly made with love by myself, Jordan Bruno and Bobby Flood. If you get more specific, you think you can get it to do anything?
0: I tried that. It was I don't I just don't think we're on the radar yet. So
1: We haven't gotten like a COVID <laughs> warning in a long time. So those of you that are worried about that, you're safe to listen today.
0: But, uh, you know, chat, chat GPT, that's one of the many AI chat aggregators or, con, you know, creators out there. Uh, it's becoming an issue, like, teachers are using it to create their lesson plans, I've heard. Students are, of course, using it to complete their assignments. And neither party can tell the difference. <laughs> So both sides are
1: copying out, not learning anything, not doing any work. Right. That's ex. And, and, and what's the show? Uh, Wally, where the humans just get on that spaceship and then they just right disintegrate into fat, blubbery people that can't even hardly walk.
0: Their bone structure gets smaller. Yeah, yeah I think we're 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 definitely on on that road. It's learning to code. Chat AIs are learning to solve. Um, you know, uh, coding problems, mathematical problems. They're creating art. Uh, they're creating video games. Probably can create music. They're uh, creating video games. Yeah, like
1: Hogwarts Legacy. No, like Pac-Man. Like basic video games, I think. But uh, there's a small difference point, between Pac-Man and Hogwarts Legacy.
0: Probably, probably. <laughs> But I think we're to a point where, like, we're 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 crossing these thresholds where our kids might grow up and be adults in fifteen or twenty years, and they start to have kids, and there will be no way to know if a book that you uh, buy at Amazon or Barnes and Noble was written by a human or not. Like, you could create. I'll bet you. I'll bet you could. And maybe this is a, a project worth uh, pursuing. I will. I bet you could have Chat AI write a novel, and then you create a pen name, and you publish this. Mm-hmm. And you could probably. You could probably. Uh, you think it actually a, have a story arc? Yeah, probably. I bet I bet you could you could have chat AI write 95% of a novel that would be good enough that people would buy it and read it.
1: Yeah, but who's going to market it?
0: Well, you just self-market it on that's, Amazon. that's
1: the problem. Is that's where all the work is. It's it true. It takes a lot of work it's to, get, true. to get products to market to get them Once once and this is this is why I think why our society is um partially why our society is so degrading, why it's being degraded, it's degradable, and it's happening is because what'll happen is a a product will get some momentum, and then a company can form up around that product, and then they can buy up other companies, and because they have the marketing clout and the money behind them, then they can market whatever they want, and it's a lot easier for them to get, get things to market, but they have no incentive to do anything really good. So what you get is just a bunch of mediocrity marketed to you by people who have marketing channels. And then it just self-perpetuates. This is why we don't have any good new uh, fresh ideas in the movie industry because they don't have to do anything. They just, they have the marketing. That's the secret sauce is you just have the power of propaganda. You can push the message out to enough people that you'll make enough money that you can just repeat you know, lather, repeat, and rinse, and all we get is this—the
0: next movie, and then the next right. movie. So I saw it put nicely when it would come. They were talking about the a they, uh, they were talking about the Avengers universe, the Marvel comic universe. Is that what it's called? The MCU. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, right. the MCU, and how it's content. It's just content now. It's like just filling the spaces with content. It's boxes in a room.
1: Probably, yeah. I mean, there there was a definite agenda there. Like, I haven't seen the Loki series. Did you right. see the Loki series? No. That was about captivity being, uh, you know, Matrix type of stuff. The WandaVision was like Matrix type of stuff, false reality. So they did follow a theme there of inverting the uh, right story for a while. Right, but I haven't seen sure. all of it.
0: But they've just cranked out so many of them.
1: Like the Eternals was <clears throat> the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian story, and then they inverted that. And
0: what do you got there? Well, I just asked Chat GPT to write a short story. Should we read it?
1: Well, we don't want to. have... We're not going to give Chat GPT a T-shirt, Pepe. It's okay, you know.
0: Well, it would have to be better than what Pepe. I don't submitted. know how you but could do better than that. It's not terribly long. Should we this read is, it? The contest is over. <clears throat>
1: Go ahead. Fine. How how many words did you tell it?
0: I didn't I didn't give it a word count, but it's. Well, how du- are we
1: gonna? Like you have to give parameters, so that if somebody's gonna compete in the three thousand word category, should we
0: have an AI short story contest between itself?
1: <laughs> okay,
0: whoever can manipulate AI into writing the best story.
1: That's interesting. I we, we you would think we would have had more entries considering the availability of the tool.
0: Well, let's see if this is any good. I haven't okay, read go it ahead, yet. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'll quit. I'll quit. Uh, I won't tell you the prompt, but let's go ahead and read the story. Fine. This is what has come to, dear listeners. We are using AI to generate our content.
1: <clears throat> are you going to do a voice with this or just do multiple voices? Does it have multiple characters?
0: No. doesn't appear that it it's does. It's a
1: narrative type of a thing? Okay, do your best narrator voice. Not the weatherman voice, <clears throat> not the Fauci voice. Oh, come on. Nobody from Brooklyn.
0: I don't have a good narrator voice. That's why I have to do absurd voices. But anyway. Okay, just do a, regu- uh, just do a regular waiting. Bobby. Just let's, let's read the. What, let's one read of the, the
1: regular Bobby Flood voices.
0: As a child, Mark had always dreamed of having superpowers. He spent hours reading comic books and daydreaming about flying, shooting lasers from his eyes, and saving the world from evil villains. But as he grew older, he realized that superpowers were just a fantasy, and he resigned himself to a mundane life. He worked at a dead-end job, had few friends, and felt like he was just going through the motions. One day, as he was walking home from work, he saw a group of kids playing in a park. They were pretending to be superheroes, running around and shouting out their imaginary powers. Mark couldn't help but smile as he watched them. But then he felt a pang of envy. He wished that he could have those powers, to be something more than he was. As he continued walking, lost in thought, he didn't notice the car hurtling toward him until it was too late. He closed his eyes, bracing for impact. But then something strange happened. The car seemed to slow down, and he felt as though he was floating in midair. When he opened his eyes, he saw that he was hovering several feet above the ground. He was stunned, but also thrilled. This was it. His dream had come true. But then he realized that he couldn't control his powers. He was just floating there, unable to move or even steer himself. And then he felt a gust of wind and was thrown off balance. He plummeted to the ground, landing hard on his back. As he lay there gasping for air, he realized that he didn't need superpowers to be great. He had a job that paid the bills. He had people who loved him, and he had his own unique talents and strengths. He didn't need to be a superhero to make a difference in the world. From that day on, Mark stopped wishing for superpowers and started focusing on making the most of the abilities he already had. He volunteered at a local shelter, took up a hobby he enjoyed, and started reaching out to old friends. He found that he was happier and more fulfilled than he had ever been before, and he knew that he didn't need superpowers to be great, because he already was. <laughs> but wait! Did I just check out during the middle of that? How did he float in the air?
1: <laughs> That's what I was, I was like... What? what am I missing here? Because I thought I was like just aimlessly surfing the internet while you were telling the story. Here's, here's that I'm, the... That I am checked out and missed the point, because... He he did have a miraculous happening.
0: Yeah. So this is what I would have, this is the thought that occurred to me as I was reading this. This is where the human element comes in. So for me, it would have said, so I'm, I'm reading from the story again. As he continued walking, lost in thought, he didn't notice the car hurtling toward him until it was too late. He closed his eyes, bracing for impact, but then something strange happened. The car seemed to slow down, and he felt as he was floating in midair. When he opened his eyes, he saw that he was hovering several feet above the ground. He was stunned, but also thrilled. This was it, his dream come true. But then he realized he couldn't control his powers. He was just floating there, unable to move or even steer himself. Then a gust of wind was thr- throwing him off balance, and he plummeted to the ground, landing hard on his back. See, this is how I would have changed that. He was stunned but also thrilled. This was it. His dream had come true. Mark started shooting around the park and the sky, flying like a bird, like a missile. Right. Wrapping around buildings and trees, flying close to the ground. He was free. He had done it. He could fly. And then Mark flew back to the scene of the accident, and there on the ground was was his his dead, mangled body. (laughs) Mark was dead. And a spirit flying around that's how I would have changed it okay yeah that's that's good This is a pretty it's way better than this a chat, is a pretty GPT. this is a pretty good like seventh grade level short story that you might g- get as a t- seventh grade teacher and you you ask your students <laughs> and you give them some parameters, like for example, write a short story about a man who wishes he had superpowers and ends up realizing he doesn't need them to be great. <laughs> Okay, so you did ask it to do that. That was the that was the input, but but, but he doesn't. What's crazy is
1: you didn't intend for him to actually get the superpowers. Like I like that. Know. It doesn't seem like that was the type of thing you would have expected from the prompt. Yeah. See, if
0: I'm a teacher and I get this back from my student, I I would circle the paragraph about him having this miraculous intervention and say, "How? Please explain." Like,
1: why did you all of a sudden <clears throat> ditch that
0: right. Right. for
1: the soup kitchen or whatever?
0: <laughs> right. But that still, you know, you could, you could have it regenerate the response. If I was a student nowadays and I was using chat AI to cheat, I would generate something like that and then I would go in and humanize it with my own Fix it. terminology and make, make it sound more like a human wrote it. Uh, you know.
1: So what what happens if you give ChatGPT a prompt like, write me an 800-page novel in the style of Dostoevsky that will win uh, the most prestigious writing awards?
0: I'm not going to ask it to do an 800-pager, but let's see. Write a story.
1: No, 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 a novel. Well, okay, I, if you're do you the one it, in control of it, you don't have to read the whole thing, but it, just see if it'll... Of- See how many pages it will. Come how do you up spell with? Dostoyevsky? Dostoy- Dostoy- Dostoyevsky? D o s t o v. Sorry, D o s t o y,
0: e v s k y. All right, write a style. Write a story in the style of Dostoyevsky. Let's just see what that basic prompt comes up with. It's too limited. I want 800 pages, and I want one that's like
1: an award-winning novel.
0: Well I think what you what we could do is see how he how it does with this first crack at it. And then oh, you, re, you can like refine a, it. You a, could maybe refine like this it. is a
1: first interview. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We'll see if we want to hire the chat GPT. <clears throat> All
0: right. It's coming up. There's paragraphs being cranked out right before our eyes. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And, and that is not the only that is um that is war and peace. Tale of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities, you're right. Tale of Two Cities is written by Dickens. Was it? I think you're right. Okay, let's see here. <clears throat> you ready for this? Or sure. did you want to fact Just
1: Dostoevsky? He wrote uh He wrote the Brothers Karamazov, right? Yeah, that's one of his famous
0: ones. Crime and Punishment. Tale of Two Cities, though, was that Dickens? Dickens, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is um, you. Be the judge. Is, is this AI or is this Dostoevsky? Which I can never say his name. In a small Russian town, Ivan Petrovich sat alone in his cramped apartment, staring out the window at the dreary. <laughs> in a small Russian town, the give giveaway. It was Tolstoy. No, it was Dostoevsky. Staring out the window at the dreary gray sky. Ivan was a man of great intelligence and deep philosophical thought, but he had become delusioned with life and the world around him. As he sat there, lost in thought, he heard a knock at the door. It was his old friend, Alexey, whom he had not seen in years. Alexei was a man of faith, with a simple, optimistic outlook on life. At first, Ivan was hesitant to let Alexey in. He feared that their uh, differing worldviews would lead to conflict and argument, but something in Alexei's earnest expression made him relent, and he invited his old friend inside. This is this is this is not worth pursuing. (laughs) It just
1: goes on and on and on.
0: See, this is interesting here. Like you say, something like Alexei was a man of faith, was simple and optimistic outlook on life. That's not something you put in a story. That's a note you make about a character you're creating, and then you create a character who has faith and is a, sim- and a simple and optimistic outlook on that. Right, you online. demonstrate
1: that through the story. Through
0: his actions and his dialogue and his and then, demeanor. And then the whole, in, in a small Russian village. Well, of course it's in, in Russia. a small I Russian know. village. <laughs> well, it this goes is, this on. Is, I,
1: this is what a sixth grader would try to do to impress their teacher so about Dostoevsky. We may
0: be a little ways from us not knowing oh. the difference between AI and human novels, but... We're on that trajectory.
1: (laughs) I don't know if they can keep it all straight and do a good story. Like, uh, well, one of the problems we have is that, like, in the movies, in a lot of the movies today, they're falling flat because they've abandoned the traditional archetypes and the traditional battle between good and evil, right? So if you have a woke, Like, you'd have to instruct the chatbot on certain elements to get a really good, resonant story. Otherwise, you're just going to get garbage. Nobody's going to want to listen. Nobody's going to read the
0: novel. Nobody's going to want to read the story. They sat in silence for a time, both lost in their own thoughts. But then Alexei began to speak, his words soft and gentle, like a calming breeze. He spoke of his faith, of the beauty he saw in the world, and of the hope he held for a better future. Ivan listened intently, his mind racing with objections and counter-arguments. But then, as Alexey spoke, something began to stir within Ivan's heart. He felt a sense of warmth and connection that he had not felt in years. For the first time in a long time, he felt like he was not alone in the world. As the evening wore on, Ivan and Alexey talked late into the night. They discussed everything from religion and philosophy to the struggles of everyday life. And as they talked, Ivan began to feel a sense of peace and contentment that he had never known before. In the days that followed, Ivan began to see the world through new eyes. He began to notice the beauty and wonder that he had previously overlooked. And he found himself feeling more optimistic and hopeful about the future. And so, in a small Russian town, two old friends sat and talked. And one man's life was forever changed by the simple faith and optimism of the other. For Ivan, it was a turning point, a moment of grace that would stay with him for the rest of his life.
1: And they lived happily ever after.
0: See, what would be nice there is not just telling us about the conversation, but actually writing the conversation and having dialogue between these two men. Well, maybe you should modify the prompt.
1: Well, maybe I will. Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky 2.0, <laughs> 2.4 <clears throat> beta. <clears throat> I, I don't, I think the only reason that chat, a, that the chat AI and that the internet and uh, that, that these uh ideas are getting momentum is i think because we've dumbed down the population the population is is conditioned to consume mediocrity
0: oh yeah this is an age of mediocrity we we i don't think we ever really talked about that but you sent sent a story over a, an article over a couple of weeks ago about this age of mediocrity and how everything's the same right like coffee shops all have the same decoration and homes all look the same and office buildings and city architecture and
1: logos logos what, what was funny is that we were passing this around between family members and one of my kids who works in the tech industry was like oh this is old news people people were talking about this last week and uh it's you know they just cherry picked these examples and then the bank we use had changed their logo in the style of the way the article was saying everybody was changing their logos and stuff (laughs) and and any banks there. And so I sent that over to him.
0: Well, look at the, the new Utah state flag is very much in this uh, category. Did they decide on a flag? Yeah. They actually released a Utah state flag. Yeah. I think it's been
1: officially changed. Family members at uh, Easter had a petition trying to.
0: Yeah. I heard something about that, but I, I think they've already decided to change it. I don't know when it takes effect, I guess. But it it looks like something that an AI would design. It's very flat. It's a flat design, which is a design style. And it just looks like a... Looks like They have like a computer-generated...
1: They have an AI... uh, Oh, yeah, an animation animation. of it waving. They're trying to sell this to us (coughs) as if we're some sort of a college.
0: In a land filled with whimsy and wonder, there lived a little girl named Sally. Sally. I thought
1: it was a little girl named Spencer Cox. Sally. What lo- in the heck is going on here?
0: Yeah, it's bad. This Sa- looks like, yeah. Sally loved to play and explore, but she was always getting into trouble. One day, while wandering through a forest of rainbow-colored trees, Sally came upon a strange creature with long, floppy ears and a bright pink nose. The creature introduced itself as Wobbly Whiffler and asked Sally if she wanted to play a game. Do you, uh, can you guess the author style? I'm lost here. <laughs> I've ruined it. Looking at the flag. The flag is broken, what are you talking Jordan. About? What are you talking about? Well, I, I, made, I gave it another prompt. I gave the chat AI another prompt write a story like what well i was wondering if I you don't, could guess I wasn't listening in a land filled with whimsy and wonder there lived a little girl named sally sally loved to play and explore but she was always getting into trouble one day while wandering through a forest of rainbow colored trees sally came upon a strange creature with long floppy ears and a bright pink nose The creature introduced itself as Wobbly Whiffler and asked Sally if she wanted to play a game. In the style of uh, My Little Pony? Close, but no cigar. Barbie. Sally eagerly agreed, and the Wobbly Whiffler led her to a field filled with giant mushrooms. Alice in Wonderland? The game is simple, said the Wobbly Whiffler. You just have to jump from mushroom to mushroom without falling. Nintendo. Nintendo. This is supposed to be a story in the style of Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss? It's not like Dr. Seuss That's at all. It's not even close. No. No, it's not. Chat G- GTP doesn't seem to be able to rhyme yet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what else are we going to talk about today? We're an hour into this. Our audience well, is probably like checked
1: a- out. It's an AI. Um, it's an AI episode. Literally, I, I think that the, I would like to continue the theme of the age of mediocrity. Then I don't have to come up with a new title for the podcast. Okay. I think that's what we're talking about today. What is,
0: I mean. In the context of the story you sent over, it was all about this sameness in a lot of architecture, commercial architecture and commercial branding. Where companies use the same logo styles, the art styles. You go to a, a a bar and grill, and it's all the same type of stuff. Or a barber. I've noticed it with a lot of barbers, kind of. They uh, their their target audience is men, and so you go in, it's. There's lots well, of they had, manly things. They had a, yeah, they had a, uh, we'll post this article.
1: I think it's really significant, um, even, notwithstanding my kids' uh, objections that it was old news. <laughs> I think that you do, you do see our, our society zeroing in on this homogeneity. Homogeneity? You're the pronunciator. Homogeneity you see, you see us becoming one similar right a lot of sameness lack of originality and they they did i think a pretty good job documenting that and they started out with some russian painters who before they painted their commercial art that they were going to sell or whatever they they pulled the public and said what what would make an ideal what what would be the, pic- the type of picture or image that you would buy, the painting that you would buy. And they were these sort of pastoral landscapes with blue skies and green hills and maybe a horse or a person here or there. And they they went to like eight different countries and did the same thing. And all the pictures turned out the same. yeah And I thought that was interesting. And then there was a... Uh, so they talked about architecture and how not just uh, building codes, but people's expectations had led to these, I forget what they call them, one through five, one to five level apartment buildings that all look pretty much the same. This high density housing, but not too high density, and it's everywhere. And then they they looked at logos, and they're like comparing how all the car companies had flattened their logos and made them all right. You know, you could argue that this is just what happens with trends or fads, and has happened in the past. However, I think it, it's, a, it's a symptom of the internet and social media life that we have, because it's not—it's not the same. It's, this isn't your father's Oldsmobile. This isn't your father's social problem. This is a. This is a. Uh, a diffusion of mediocrity <laughs> that is seems to be very consistent and very pervasive throughout the culture in most countries one of the biggest alarming parts of the story was what they called
0: instagram face
1: right and they showed all these instagram influencers and they all looked like kim kardashian
0: yeah they they all looked the same they use these filters to that, look the same. Not
1: just are they using filters, but they're going to the right get Botox. They're get they're like getting um, cosmetic procedures done, cosmetic surgery done to try to look like what they perceive everybody wants to look like. Right, and it's producing a bunch of women or men or whatever. It's like the. Do you remember the the Star Trek: The Next Generation, the Borg? Mm-hmm. Your uniqueness will be added to our own. Right. <laughs> you will be assimilated. <clears throat> Resistance is futile.
0: Wait, yeah, and you, we we were seeing this in in architecture, Instagram trends, things like that. I think it's also part of the larger trend to turn us all into drones in drones, the beehive just mindless mindless bees in the freaking beehive drone mindless genderless personalityless just npcs just just blank npcs that wake up and and do what we're programmed to do and so the the people who really put a wrench into the that trend that trajectory aren't necessarily like the 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 You know, your typical kind of uh, rabble rouser, but it's just people who just do the very basics of thinking originally, thinking for themselves.
1: We didn't, you know, in the aughts, the 2000 aughts, when when did social media really hit? It's like 2010, 12-ish?
0: Yeah, I think Facebook was 2011 or, no, maybe earlier than that, but yeah, late late aughts. Because the smartphone was 2007, the iPhone was 2007 and it didn't take long for it to take over the world.
1: Okay, so if you ask Google, when did social media start? They're saying like there
0: was a 1997 thing, but that's stupid. It's,
1: it's when did Facebook really get going? I mean, right? my, because you had, had MySpace. You had
0: MySpace. That- you could argue that the old message boards were a form of social media, but, but uh, I think that what we call social media today was the late aughts, Early 10s. I'm going to go out on a limb and say
1: that the, the rise of social media corresponds with the shift of ages. You can argue that Pisces is not over and that we're not into Aquarius, but you can also argue that we are. I think 2012 is a good demarcation point. There are a lot of the ancient cultures pointed to this time. And uh, maybe the maybe the 40 or 50 years between 2030 and 1980 or the '70s and 2040-ish, the, the, those are, there's a lot of ancient material pointing to our day, but the, if because see you gotta, you got to realize the ancients reckoned the, the shift of the ages based on what constellation was prominent in the sky when the sun rose on the spring or the vernal equinox, right, the spring equinox. And Pisces is overlapping Aquarius. So there's the two fish, and the one fish goes way out there. And so you could argue that, well, we're going to be in Pisces for another couple hundred years because that fish isn't going to fully go away. But put yourself in the shoes of the ancient astronomer who's watching the sunrise. Sure, they might see a star or two from Pisces, but Aquarius is what's prominent in the sky and is dominating is the energy dominating the world at, you know right now that's there's a really good argument to be made that we've we've shifted from pisces to aquarius and I, I i look at it that way personally and so as i've pointed out before we had the last great narratives of the age of pisces were things like lord of the rings star wars and especially harry potter and then what happens in 2012 I mean, can we not look at... Are we not going through a massive shift in our culture? I mean, that's undeniable. Is it not, Bobby Flood? Can you Could you argue against the idea that <laughs> things are changing way more dramatically than they have historically, faster than they have historically? You could argue against it, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> the... The... <laughs> so you have you have not only not only do you have shifts like in the narratives you've got the the world order was dramatically upended with the war on terror with whether you agree or disagree with with the motives of the United States of America, it's pretty clear that we basically shot ourselves in the foot and have rather than having a new american century we're we're basically destroying our influence by mucking around in the rest of the world. So you have, you have that kind of a shift going on, and then you get the social media, which uh, the interwebs here are telling me that in 2004 was when Facebook was founded, but I would say it didn't really get significant momentum until around 2010, like we were talking about. So this the shift of the ages right around 2010, 2012, 2015 is where you get... a a lot of the changes going on in society and, um, things, things have been moving really fast since then. We, there, there are a lot of people out there. Well, I've, I guess I've argued this before with friends, the idea that they, they think that, that, oh, we have the internet, we're free. We've got this freedom of information. And I pointed out, well, no, no, no. You know, it was really 2005 to 2015 that we had the freedom. The censorship started to kick in uh, around the time of the Donald Trump presidency, 2016, 17, 18. That's when the deplatforming and the canceling started. We haven't been free on the internet for a long time. The search engines have been throttling results for a lot longer than you understand. Okay? It It wasn't just recently during COVID that... Right. Uh, this this behind the scenes manipulation was occurring. And so that's happened and it co- corresponds with uh, the shift of
0: ages. So, <clears throat> down at the bottom of the Chat GPT website, it says Chat GPT may produce inaccurate information about people, places, or facts
1: just so you know it, it should say is likely to produce inaccurate information right. but but if but it, it doesn't doesn't a chat bot like this which clearly has even though it's writing in different styles you can still kind of tell it's it's the general conference style right it has its own style um I, I, I use that as an example because, you know, there's a lot of sameness in LDS general conference talks. Right, right. And so isn't it, now Now that we're sort of bringing the tools, is, is this the episode in Incredibles where Syndrome says, and when everybody's special, nobody will be? Or when everybody's super, nobody will be? Right. Because the tools are now being brought out to the public and they're mediocre at best and everybody's using them like the the Facebook f- f- or the sorry the Snapchat filters the image filters you know well, you want to build an apartment building well you know the cheapest thing to do is just to use this template we have in the back room that we did for all the other apartment buildings we'll just change the face of it rather than you do something special interesting innovative exciting
0: yeah and then the funny thing too is Oh, you want
1: a you want a logo? Well, you you should do what Volvo and Audi and Kia and everybody else has done. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to sell your but car. The,
0: fun, the funny thing is, these guys they open their coffee shops or whatever that have the same design as everybody else, and they think they're being original. They're avant garde. They're hip. Right. Right. And
1: and one of the th- problems we've seen in uh, art historically is that artists will have to go way out of their way to do something original so then it's all about shock value they they do something that doesn't look like art because they right, like they, they just throwing rather than spend the time they just they have to they 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 just jump to the easiest possible thing which is generally not generally but oftentimes repulsive or uh, abrasive stuff right or they just tape a banana to the wall Right, And what was great about that whole banana episode was that some guy came in and ate it and called it
0: art. <laughs> Performance art. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the fine art world can get a little bit silly, just like fashion and even music. Like you have Yoko Ono, who just literally screams. And there's great videos out there with her playing in a band with John Lennon. Not the Beatles, but there are videos of her with the Beatles but there's there's one where she's John Lennon's playing with uh, another artist and I can't remember who it is now and then she starts quote unquote singing <laughs> and you see his face he's got this look on his face Lennon? like uh, or the other, the other artist has this look on his face like get me out of here how, how, am I, how am I involved with this it's because it's John Lennon Right. And then even more recently, Yoko Ono will show up to like a museum or a fine art gallery because this goes hand in hand to perform. And she's just like, "Ah!" (laughs) Is that
1: what it sounds like? I don't think I've ever heard Yoko Ono perform.
0: You should look it up. And it's like, nobody will just tell this woman, this is terrible and we're not going to support this anymore. Like, go away. We're not gonna support this. This is not art.
1: Well the fact that uh she's not very popular, maybe Right. Maybe the maybe the free market kinda did tell her that.
0: Well, perhaps.
1: Right. I mean she she's famous. I, I can remember hearing John Lennon sing with Paul McCartney, et cetera, et cetera. But I cannot I honestly cannot remember ever hearing Yoko Ono or a or a Right. Song performed or played on the radio by her.
0: Right. For good reason. <laughs> but it it it's just the the point being that it we we get absurd with certain things and I guess that's fine cuz you push boundaries and it really works well with art and music and comedy and but where it doesn't work is with like social policy like like the the COVID regulations and it's like the health public health equivalent of Yoko Ono. It's like so
1: stupid. Yeah, but they're not really pushing like new ideas. <clears throat> All they're doing is clamping down. Well, right. That's, that's but, the thing is everything's disguised as this innovation, <clears throat> but what it really is is just more statism. It's more
0: clamping down. Right, and that's what we have to start. We have to start changing the channel, right? We have to start (laughs) pushing back on this. Uh, Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna people in our age demographic are gonna die in fifteen minute prison cities, and our kids will never know anything different, or our our grandkids. And it does get kind of blackpilled if you're you know if you go that far. But the trajectory we're on, we're gonna move through this age of mediocrity, which is really just the elimination of. Of excellence and greatness, and and it's like the Harrison Ber, is it Harrison Bergeron? That's Harrison Bergeron. We brought uh, that up before. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna live in a in an era of. You will if you give up your guns. Well, right.
1: And there was another mass quote mass shooting today. I guess somebody shot up a bank in uh, Louisville. Yeah, I saw something Five about people that. people were killed. And then you got the whole transgender, like it it turns out a lot of these uh, mass shootings have been perpetrated by trans people.
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth, there's some people that are dead set uh, that these shootings are caused by uh, SSRIs, you know, the the drugs. Uh, Serotonin reuptake inhibitors or something like that. Right, like antidepressants, things like that. And there's some good uh, anecdotal evidence. There's good evidence.
1: evidence. Well, it's not, I don't know that it's even anecdotal at this well, point. There have been enough shootings
0: right. that they can find going back, these kids are on drugs. Going back quite a ways. And it's, it doesn't seem to be, want to be a conversation anyone want to have. It's like no one wants to have hard conversations. It's a mental health issue. This is not a gun issue. This right. This is a mental health and, issue. And what we need to figure out is what's going on in the lives of these people who decide to shoot up anything, whether it's a school or a bank or just you know, their, their own home. And there's probably some pretty common denominators among them. Maybe the drugs are part of it. Maybe it's just a lack of, of uh, reliance and lack of teaching of true principles, right? Teach the people true principles and let them govern themselves. When's the last time the institutions taught. Yeah. What's up with the institutions? Like I I know,
1: I know we don't live in California, but you saw the story about, um, the swimmer. What's her name? Uh, Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines. She is a, you know, highly, um, successful collegiate swimmer. She The problem was she had to compete against uh, that guy, William Leah Thompson. Right? Was it William or something? What was it? What's his name? Yeah, dead name. You just
0: dead named him, and now you're canceled. I'm canceled.
1: Thank you. Uh, The guy has male genitalia. He is a man. He did compete in swimming. You all know the story. Um, He broke a bunch of women's records and won the national championship in multiple events. Turns out, though, this this lady, Gaines, she tied with him in the butterfly, like the 200-meter butterfly. So she actually went head-to-head with this guy, who was obliterating all the other ladies, and tied down to the millisecond. And the NCAA gave him the trophy. They only had one trophy. Right. And they gave it to him. Now, <laughs> In the good old days, if we just just think of the chivalry implications of this, you give the trophy to the woman. Right. That's just not, there's no question about that. They did. No. (laughs) They did. Fine, Bobby Flood, whatever you want to say. I am not going to (laughs) go along with that. They gave it to a man and she's, she's upset, rightly so not only that she had that he got the trophy but that she didn't win ri- outright because she was competing against a man and so she's been going around
0: speaking about um her experience and
1: the experience isn't just that she wanted to win the trophy or be known as the national champion in that event they had to like this dude was in the women's locker room. Like, think of the, you know, the tr- the idea of trash talking, right? You know how that right. factors into yeah. it factors into sports, right? That this is like you 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 try to get inside your opponent's head. You try to demoralize your opponent, and in this case, what th- this guy was able to do is he was able to dress in the same locker rooms. So she's she's getting dressed. You know, it, it, yeah. They're which swimming. obviously they're, they're naked, right? Cre- which obviously creates a so this dude is exposing himself. It's very clear that he has male genitalia because she's seen it <laughs> in the locker room, and then they have to go out and compete. That's the ultimate, <clears throat> the the ultimate demoralization. The right. Ultimate and, mind well,
0: games. and the inversion here is that anybody like Riley who is uncomfortable with that is the bigot, the hater, well, the the, reason- the phobe.
1: Yeah, and the reason I brought it up is because uh San Francisco State University, which obviously you guys can all guess what their opinion is, but they went out and uh the 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 point is that this is typical of a university where where the kids are supposed to be exploring how to gracefully break the mold, how to improve society, right? They've they've latched onto this trans movement and um, they praised, <laughs> this is what they said. The, okay, by the way, rest of the story is Riley Gaines went to speak there. She was shouted down and then had to run and be escorted into a, a room and was held hostage for three hours while the, the trans mob outside deliberated on how they were going to extort some sort of a ransom for uh, her.
0: Essentially, they created... A hostage, a hostage situation. situation.
1: This is a kidnapping. Yeah. And nobody was held to account. And the university said this to the students. Thank you to our students who participated peacefully in Thursday's, Thursday evening's event. It took tremendous bravery to stand in a challenging space. Well, you know, that should be taken in reality. It took tremendous bravery as a compliment to Riley Gaines, not those idiotic students who right. were not doing anything brave. Remember, what did Mark Twain say? In the beginning of a change, the Patriot is a scarce man or a scarce woman here in this case, brave and hated and scorned. Who is that in this situation? Is it right. those kids that are part of the mob? Or is it Riley who's standing up for reality? Well,
0: she had hands laid on her by a dude in a dress. Right, she was assaulted. <clears throat> which is assault. I mean, she wrote something on Twitter. Like imagine the, <clears throat> like, imagine that this scenario
1: were a... Yeah, did you hear about the two peanuts that got off the subway? No. One of them was assaulted. <laughs> Keep going. She had hands laid on her <clears throat> by some guy in a dress.
0: She she had tweeted something about... Imagine the, the scenario differently with some white conservative men assaulting a minority woman or something oh, like yeah. that. It would be all over the news, all over the world. Those oh, people yeah. would be in jail. Yeah. These people are, are praised as heroes for assaulting, physically assaulting, kidnapping, and holding hostage a woman that has a different view than A they woman do. who
1: lost to a man in a <clears throat> swimming event and wasn't happy about it.
0: And not even that, this, that Riley Gaines has a differing view she than She they lost do. to she, a man that the, that the governing authority said was a woman. <laughs> right. She, her views are in line with basic human biology and common sense and this type of thing is being literally shouted down locked up in a room like these these ideas like the it's the universities are
1: lost maybe, yeah and maybe this is why our society is so sameness now is because uh, that's what that's what you get at the university you're not getting any you're not getting people are being you're not being stretched yeah. you're not being you're, you're being told to conform to a mental
0: illness. Speaking collectively and not individually, these universities are just cranking out unthinking drones. They're not being intellectually challenged. Be- bees for the
1: beehive.
0: They're not, being, they're not being intellectually stimulated. They're just being indoctrinated. They're being brainwashed into believing the cause of the day. If you go to a, I go to any university, wherever you live, go to your local university and poll 100 kids. You'd probably find that all of them support Ukraine, support Black Lives Matter, support the trans movement, support well, all of the yeah, current th- things. Thankfully, thankfully <clears throat> Bobby.
1: The Lord's University, Brigham Young's University is immune from this.
0: Yeah, they're not at all how do you know because i how do, how do you know this because i have offspring there <laughs> because i see the same crap maybe it's tempered a little bit maybe there's some is it really resistance but not really is it really tempered i i don't know Depends it's becoming on who you celebrated ask. isn't it more and more it is it is
1: uh, especially, I just still I think-, think the difference at BYU is that you're going to have a bunch of Mormons say, "Well, but the church is playing 4D chess," and they're they really don't they really don't um, buy into this stuff. I have had some relatives work there, and 15 20 years ago, uh, this person was complaining of walking through the Wilkinson Center and seeing professors who had like photos of Mao tongue mm-hmm. on the wall, right? Like, that they were. Did you call it
0: the Wilkinson Center? Uh,
1: possibly. If we rewind, <laughs>
0: rewind the tape, <laughs> the Wilkinson Center for the uninitiated, non BYU, is the kind of the student commons area. There's yeah, cap- some people there's, have offices there. There's there's offices. There's a lot of admin offices. There's um, the bookstore is there. The cafeteria where there's commercial food options available. Is there? So it's a common area. The upper room, the upper levels have classrooms, offices. There's ballrooms there.
1: There's the Smith Family Gender Sameness Center. You have the <clears throat> that's been Marriott School of Gender Dysphoria. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you have <laughs> these the, are all other, other buildings, other colleges. But I, the I mean, Eyring I Gender I, Studies I Center. Went, I went there in the early aughts. And even then, there was, there was leftist ideology, especially in the humanities, which is where I came from. And yeah, there, there was... But they, they weren't presented with very little... There, there were very few instances where certain ideas were challenged, even at the
1: BYU. Well, especially not at the BYU. And this was Nibley's lament was that uh, right? You, we don't need truth at the BYU. We he, don't need learning at the BYU.
0: Right. Here we are clothed in the robes of a false priesthood. Black robes of a false priesthood. Which he famously said. Yeah, he said in the documentary
1: um, <clears throat> Faith of an Observer, which was, which was recorded while he was alive about his life. He says many people have asked me if I actually
0: said that, but no one has ever asked me why. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that that's an awesome little uh, little piece on Hugh Nibley and um you can watch that on YouTube. He says way. he says in, you know, he says that about why in the his great essay called Leaders and Managers. He says uh in this was originally written in, I think, 1983, but he says, 23 years ago on this same occasion, which was BYU graduation. Mm -hmm. Which would have meant in
1: 63, he said. You think
0: I can do a nibbly? He
1: said it in 63. You have to talk fast and sound important. 23
0: years ago on this same occasion, I gave the opening prayer in which I said, We have met here today clothed in the black robes of a false priesthood. Many have asked me since whether I really said such a shocking thing, but nobody has ever asked what I meant by it. Why not? Well, some knew the answer already, and as for the rest, we do not question things at the BYU. <laughs> but for my own relief, I welcome this opportunity to explain a false uh, what? to explain a false priesthood question mark. So the whole. essay, the whole speech
1: there, leaders and managers, was about a false priesthood.
0: The explanation, why a priesthood? Because these robes originally denoted those who had taken clerical orders and a college was a mystery with all the rites, secrets, oaths, degrees, tests, feasts, and solemnities that go with initiation into higher knowledge. Unfortunately, people usually stop after the eye-catching headline of here we are clothed in yeah. the black robes of a false priesthood no, that essay they is... laugh even in the in the video they've got here everyone laughs oh that's just Hugh Yeah and then nothing that he says sticks with the people that need to hear it the most the essay is
1: pretty instructive and the fact that it was given in eighty three <clears throat> is quite alarming.
0: It will link to it it's a it's an awesome essay uh, I remember many required
1: reading for listeners of the Mind Virus show. Please do not come back until you've read Leaders and Managers. Actually it should be entitled Leaders versus Managers, but
0: many years ago there may or may not have been a Sunday school where somebody Sunday said Sunday school lesson somebody said something and a Bobby Flood may or may not have been in the room with or without Jordan Bruno and Bobby Flood may or may not have at this point mind you not knowing fully the world views of one Jordan Bruno <laughs> texted this a link to this article leaders and managers Bobby may have texted it to Jordan Bruno Possibly. during church only to get a thumbs an enthusiastic <laughs> thumbs up in return or Did something it get like quoted? that did it get quoted to the, to the lesson? Do you remember? I, I did bring it up, yeah. I think. Or maybe, maybe you did. But I had a couple of people later say, I love that essay <laughs> by Hugh Nibley. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Anyway, it's a great, it's a great uh, thought-provoking, as most of Nibley's work is. Yeah. Because, it, it, he again, this was 83 that he wrote Leaders and Managers. That's 40 years ago, by the way. Yes. And he was ahead of his time. I think, I think in many ways, Nibley was sent as one before, one to warn us about mm-hmm. the coming calamity. For sure. And uh, he did that really effectively in a lot of different ways. I mean, he has a lot of interesting things on Con- conservation and environmentalism, which um, has been inverted and stolen, mm-hmm. you know, true conservation. Mm-hmm. And of course, he has a lot of things about institutional rot, institutional leadership, uh, ancient rites and customs that are being forgotten and the dangers of that. I mean, it's nibbly. It's, you can't really summarize his work. Yeah, <laughs> right. <clears throat> but if you w- when you read leaders and managers, it challenge you to do it with some specific people in mind. <laughs> Yeah, you know exactly. specific people in your life like maybe uh your political leaders for example or any institutional
1: leaders right pick an institution pick all the institutions <clears throat> uh things have things have definitely progressed i wonder what nibley would say now what would nibley
0: say that would be a W-W-N-S. Here's here's some interesting ideas from leaders and managers. He says, The leader, for example, has a passion for equality. We think of great generals from David and Alexander on down, sharing their beans or maza with their men, calling them by their first names, marching along with them in the heat, sleeping on the ground and first over the wall. A famous ode by a long-suffering Greek soldier, Arca Locus, reminds us that the men in the ranks are not fooled for an instant by the executive type who thinks he is a leader. For the manager, on the other hand, the idea of equality is repugnant and indeed counterproductive. Where promotion, perks, privilege, and power are the name of the game, awe and reverence for rank is everything, the inspiration and motivation of all good men. Where would management be without the inflexible paper processing, dress standards, attention to proper social, political and religious affiliation, vigilant watch over habits and attitudes and so forth that gratify correct the, pronouns. That gratify the stockholders and satisfy security. If you love me, said the greatest of all leaders, you will keep my commandments. If you know what is good for me, says the manager, you will keep my commandments and not make waves. Hmm. Forty years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess we could end there. Yeah, it's probably a good place. Yeah, <laughs> there's
0: not really a whole lot we can add to Nibley. Uh I do I do encourage. It's not a long essay, guys. Uh, it's it's written what you know quite concisely for uh, for Nibley's, by Nibley's standards and it's prophetic. It was 40 years ago and he he had this issue nailed. And we've gone so far over the line into the world of management that we've well, lost we've lost leaders.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that has to do with how mediocre we are as a society. There is no leadership. Because, it's all managing it trying to just suck the the last bit of profit out of this generation, you know. Yeah,
0: me- mediocre people don't want to be led by excellent people because that those excellent people will demand excellence of the people that they lead, mm-hmm. and we don't want that. We want a, We want our universal basic income. We want to sit and watch Netflix and eat our processed garbage food and have everything we want at the tips of our fingers. Well, we want the security of all of that, right? We yeah. don't want. We don't want right. any risk. We don't want. We don't want what comes with greatness. It's why we have so many armchair social media activists, right? I stand with Ukraine. Well, you, you actually, you, you literally don't. You're, you're, you're not even willing to get up right. off They're the They're going to change
1: their tune when they get drafted.
0: <laughs> right. You're not even willing to read 30 minutes about the, the, the recent history of, of Ukraine and Russia and what this conflict is really all about. You're not even willing to... Get up and exercise to make your body feel better, so that you are better able to resist a virus. You just put on the mask and hide. You're not standing for anything. You're laying over and letting. You know, there's that famous photo of the Chinese guy in front of the tanks, right? Right, the Tiananmen Square guy. Which I met, once met a student here in the United States from China, and I asked him about that. I said, "Whatever happened to that guy? He said, He's fine." <laughs> like really? Uh, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> and it was just interesting that this was a good kid. He was smart, but they, you do not Don't like, talk like, about he, that. He he was he was indoctrinated on the, you know, the the greatness of of the state and, and the leaders and but he stood for something and put it all on the line. Tiananmen Square guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, we have students who are not standing in front of the tanks, but actually lining up behind They're them. They're running the tanks. They're hitting the gas pedal on the tanks, yeah. running over anybody and everybody who not only stands in front of the tank, but anybody who says, hey, don't run people over with the... T-. How come you don't see a lot of memes with Tiananmen
1: Square... Tank guy, because you could totally have like Joe Biden driving the tank or your local administrator driving the I tank, I think the
0: Chinese government has tried to scrub those images off the internet. I think I read something about that recently where it's it's harder and harder to find them now it's the internet and you can find anything, but I think I read some something about an effort to scrub the the, the world of those images or or doctor them. Yeah,
1: it's not working because, you know, if you'd google this, you've got Wikipedia, ABC News, CNN, history.com, The Independent, The Times. The photo is there. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's that is iconic. I mean, there are four tanks lined up and this guy's just standing there.
0: Maybe we That's have... kind of
1: gut-wrenching. I guess that'll have to be our photo for our podcast page, but uh, it's really, if you really think through that, I mean, that, that night, the lights went out, the the reports of gunfire, et cetera, that, that's what happens when you have real, <laughs> you, the tables are turned, right? So this would be America in, in 50 or 100 years when, the conformity has reached to the point where you have a unip <laughs> the Uniparty is not just Uniparty uh idea, but it it is an actual name, a Uniparty, the Communist Party or whatever. The demo repubs, the <laughs> the Republicrats right. have taken over and uh, you know, they fully control the society and and free thought and independent thinking creeps back into the universities, one university, and the students rise up, and some guy is standing in front of the tank for freedom of thought, for freedom of action. That's where this leads. I mean, this is the cycle. Speaking of cycles, today is the day that Martin Armstrong, we've pointed him out before, armstrongeconomics.com, uh, is saying is a turning point in the e- his economic confidence uh, his economic confidence model mm-hmm. today April tenth is supposed to be a big huge turning point in America. I don't know if there's going to be some sort of an event or if the Silicon Valley banking crisis and that it's just a period. But he's he's hit some pretty good uh, he has a pretty good track record as far as his model matching up with um, events. So supposed to be a significant day today.
0: It's interesting in this essay, Cunhibli uh, references the mudslides of the Wasatch Front, which was <laughs> 80, 40, 40, 40 years ago, 83. 40, we for, had 40 the, years in Mormonism today. We had the great floods and mudslides, and we're staring at that uh, possibility again. I don't know if there's any significance to that. You can decide if 40 years ago... We had mudslides, and now we are right back at that point. But uh, it's a great essay. Read it. Uh, and keep in mind that he delivers this in, in the heart and soul of an institution that he worked for, but often was critical of in a general sense, this institutional kind of a, a march toward Babylon. And uh, to students that were ready to uh, head out into the world, and like he says, most of you are here today only because you believe that this charade will help you get ahead in the world. (laughs) (laughs) He called it a charade? Well, and it is. It is. (laughs) The
1: talk that he was giving was, this charade will help you get ahead in the world. This
0: charade, meaning the graduation ceremony. Oh, was that what he was... He wasn't... That wasn't
1: from his talk leaders... and.
0: Leaders and, and managers, managers...
1: Was that a, a graduation talk?
0: Leaders and Managers was originally a graduation speech. Oh,
1: okay. So the charade,
0: yeah. And the, if they've got the video. So credit to BYU for archiving the stuff in both audio, video, and text formats. Well, that's wow, loud. that's loud music. That's the beginning of speeches.byu.edu and their videos. But... Watch the video, read the essay, and figure out which, which one are you. Are you a leader or a manager? And uh, figure out how you can get on the right side of that question. Hmm. What is the right side and how you can be there? We had some
1: good comments on last week's episode, by the way. Thanks, everybody, for commenting on the website. <laughs> yeah, I will, some
0: good thought-provoking stuff.
1: I will direct your attention to uh, their comments, TBM, Mrs. T, Les, Miss T again, and, and a new one, True Faith. Thank you, True Faith, for joining us in the conversation. You guys can uh, go check out their comments and, and uh, participate in the discussion at mindvirus.show if you would like. And We like to post, if you're new to the show, we like to post uh, all, uh, you know, a smattering of sources or at least material that was referenced, so you can go look that back up if you want to. I ran into an acquaintance of ours uh, the other day at the store who said, yeah, I'm enjoying the podcast. And this person was listening from the beginning. And I'm going, so we were vindicated on the COVID point, weren't we? <laughs> I mean, this is three years ago.
0: I think I know who you're talking about. And, and
1: it's like, you don't have to listen from the start. We're trying to make this uh, fun and exciting for um,
0: right, you certainly for can anybody to
1: just pop in, but why? Why is it people think they have to listen to a, a podcast from the beginning? I mean, we got 120 some odd episodes. Yeah, we don't. It's not like we're writing a novel here. It's not like we have
0: a story arc. R- right, we don't have any. There's not a, a connection from episode to episode. We'll sometimes refer to other episodes, and some are sort of evergreen. Like when we talk about movies, you know, if we focus, yeah, that's definitely evergreen. focus on a movie, that's another content word, right? Evergreen, but the uh, secret combination episode number six number
1: eight that right. was a good one hidden picture
0: yeah and on the website mindvirus.show i think jordan's got a start here list of some of our greatest hits greatest, is what it's
1: called. greatest hits we've got the some allegories we haven't done any allegories for a while we've got some stuff on cosmos and spirituality and secret combinations
0: yeah we may need to talk about a, a, a book or a movie again soon i like those conversations Should we do the wheel of time series I'll, when
1: I finish the books, we can do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, when you finish. The, no one's ever finished the books, ever. Brandon Sanderson wrote the ending of the books. He hasn't finished the books. He didn't read them all? I don't know. <laughs> Brandon Sanderson, by the way, we've talked about him. He has his school, his rules for magic. Yeah. He's the author of the uh, Stormlight Archive Mistborn series. He cranks out a lot of novels. He's the opposite of George R. R. Martin in that he's very prolific. Hmm. so we will see i'm anxiously looking forward to the conclusion of the stormlight archive which i think is supposed to be two sets of five novels and he's that's the conclusion yeah so you have to read 10 books to 10 get the, books to and, get the, end and four of four of them are done and out and sounds like a lot world. of work it is they're like a thousand pages long each really they're, they're big thick he's heavy self-publishing stories. these right He's no, did, he works with the publisher. Didn't he do four on his own during COVID? He wrote four. I don't know what he's done with them as um, far as okay. publishing. But yeah, he just sat down and cranked out. He's very, very put per- a lot of prolific. time on his hands? Well, he just has as much time as anybody has on their hands. He just uses he his... Had more,
1: it sounds like he had more time during COVID than he the just, rest of us.
0: Well, there's only 24 hours in a day. He just used his time to write a bunch of novels. You remember Hermione from uh, The My Prisoner Her- of... A- Hermione...
1: From the prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah. She she had more time on yeah, her. Yeah, but hands.
0: she had magic.
1: Brandon Ta- Sanderson has rules y- for magic. Y- yeah.
0: Yeah, he does. And his rules prohibit the use of a little of time. McGuffin that creates more time for his You can't do time travel in the Sanderson uh, stuff? You you probably could, but not in the real world.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Anyway, I was getting excited.
1: Uh, I thought, anyway.
0: Is, uh, I think the Stormlight Archive is excellent. It, it is an acquired taste. It's very, um, at times can be very, lots of juxtaposition, or not juxtaposition, but exposition can be very expositive. My
1: brother, yesterday we were having a little Easter dinner, and my brother had this shirt that said Hoyd for president.
0: hmm H-O-I-D. Hoid? Hoid, yeah. He's a reoccurring character. Yeah, and he's he's kind of an enig- an enigmatic mystery. I was like, he's the muse. He's oh, the I've jester. Heard
1: of, I've heard of Brandon Sanderson. Um, yeah, on the Mind Virus show. Yeah. Well, because no, Bobby Flood likes to. Talk there's about no him.
0: doubt that we've we've really uh, helped Sanderson's sales. So maybe we Probably can have maybe him. Maybe we on. could
1: get an affiliate relationship.
0: Maybe going. we can have him on the show. And really find out what Brandon Sanderson thinks about the world around him.
1: Do you want to really know what he thinks? Or do you think we should just speculate about what people think? Well, we do that It's always all easier time. to do that. <laughs> 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 all okay.
0: Right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Um, I, I read the rest of that story about the Dr. Seuss, the little Sally and Whiffling Wonder... F- Land, and it's not worth reading the rest of it on the, on the podcast. So
1: we won't post that.
0: But uh, anyway. It
1: will just get black holed <laughs> right here and now.
0: Uh, the chat GPT archives any of my prompts. It does? Yeah. Mm. I, I, I suppose I could probably clear that history. Mm. <clears throat> but uh, I'm not going to bother our listeners with it. They're far too intelligent, and Dr. Seuss was far too talented to be imitated by... AI, at least so far. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Well, on that note, I wish you all a happy week.
0: Yep. Take care, everybody. We are going to turn off the recorder now.